Alrighty, Hebrews chapter 6. Father, bless this message. Speak to our hearts. Fill us with your truth. May your truth reign in this place. As we lift you up on high, we glorify you. You're worthy of our praise. We thank you for all that you do for us, for all that you've done for us, and all that you're doing. We bless you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Alrighty. Yeah, so I wanted to continue first uh, through First Samuel, but I really feel like the Lord um, put it on my heart. He said, nah, we're not talking about that. We're not talking about that. Um, so, uh, I think this week and next week, we'll talk about a couple of things. Um, this week, we're going to focus on the idea of hope. Everybody say hope. 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 Yep, that's what we're going to talk about this morning. And specifically, the gift of hope. Right? The gift of hope. Um, I forget who it was. Good friend of mine. I think they may have been a pastor or somebody at a church somewhere. Uh, they're a leader at some church. And they, they put on their Facebook or their Twitter profile, um, you know, uh, husband, father, blah, blah, blah. And then at the end it said, um, and certified uh, hope dealer. And I love the title on that. I love the title on that. And I was like, and that was one of those moments where you're like, man, I wish I thought. Um, This idea of hope is is like a really important thing. And it's something that really should be like critical like to our lives. Like just a really um, concrete, foundational, significant part of who we are as a person. So if somebody were like to get around us and know us and converse with us, like wow, they're a really hopeful person. Not just optimistic. But hopeful. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I really like and enjoy about Christmas, I don't know what kind of Christmas memories you have. Um, and, and holidays are hard, right? Holidays, they tend to go really either way a lot of times. Where they're just super stressful. There's something you kind of want to avoid. Just people are, ugh, another one. You know, and Thanksgiving was just a month ago. And so if it's already, holidays are a bad thing, it's like you get whacked twice in a month. But if there's something that you kind of like, then you're excited about two things in a month. And it just depends on where you lie when it's happened in life. Um, and it rains on the just and the unjust. You know, no one's just immune to it. Fortunately, I've had some pretty good memories of my own for Christmas. And, um, and that's not because we always had a lot of things. Actually, a lot of Christmases, we didn't have a lot of things. And I can very fondly remember when I was really young, um, growing up uh, in New London, and uh, sitting in our apartment there, and uh, you know we really had we had zero gifts, like nothing, until the grandparents came over and they brought over their layaway boxes from Bradley's, Bradley's, Caldors, right? That, those are our gifts, you know. So it was like we had nothing. Like we had a, we had like a little tree, you know, with goofy you know ornaments on it and stuff. But we, we just literally did not have any gifts. So, uh, you know, then they would come over with the boxes. I don't even think they were wrapped. You know, they didn't have to wrap them. They just brought them upstairs, you know. I was like, wow, you know, we got some stuff that's so cool. Um, you know, I always remember, um, you know, the smell of a pine tree just in the living room and in the house. Just like that. And by the way, that's super weird. I get it. It's even pagan in its roots. I understand that. I get it. But to go outside and chop down a tree and put it in your house, like, that's weird, right? We're going outside to get a tree, to put it in our house. We water it and we decorate it. It's just so weird. 
But, you know, it's just for to become part of the holiday. And it's not central to us, but it's just, you know, it's just part of the holiday. You know, I always remember that I always liked the pine smell. I think you dropped something right there. So I just, I always liked, you know, the smell in the house and seeing the lights, you know. It's, I don't know, it's always liked that stuff. Um, and we all maybe have likes or dislikes about the holiday. Again, that's just my experience. That's not everybody's. But one thing I really like about Christmas that I enjoy, that I'm encouraged by, is I believe really firmly that Christmas reveals my Father's intentions towards me. Christmas reveals our Father's intention towards us. When you look at Christmas and you look closely and you look at the people involved and the story throughout thousands of years, there is a great narrative at work and a heavenly Father behind all of it. And looking at the pieces and where they're placed and who did what when and how it ultimately turns out, there's a revealing of the heart behind all of it. And it's so good and so faithful. And it just actually just makes me be more in love with who he is. It just blesses my heart in an amazing way. Because I get to see through Christmas, through his son, through the sacrifices involved, through the people used, just a little bit of how our Father feels about us. And so Jesus by no means is a killjoy for Christmas. He truly is the reason for the season, and we don't have it without him. And there's such an amazing heart of selfless, sacrificial love that drives the entire day. And it's just such good news. And we happen to celebrate in winter. And nobody really exactly quite knows when he was born. This is our day. It's what we do. You know, and we have goofy things that we do, like bring trees in a house. But we redeem the holiday for who he is. As long as that stuff is not the focal point and the center and just the source of worship, we're okay. But as soon as Jesus and the story of who he is and the great God behind us starts to take a backseat to the stuff, to the hustle and bustle, we very quickly can find ourselves like the manager at the end being like, you know what? Kind of all filled up. There's no room for you. Just no room. I just got a lot of stuff to do. I got a lot of cookies to bake. I got parties to go to. I got a house to clean. I got things to do. And then we sit down 10, 11 at night, we turn on the TV, we might pass out, and it's just like, all those days can happen real fast in the whole course of a month in December. And it's just like, man, we just made no room. Just made no room. And so, I really feel like the Lord said to my heart, He said, listen, the next couple of weeks, just encourage them in who I am. Just tell them the good news about who I am. About the way I feel towards them. I said, all right, well, that's something we can do. Amen on that. Amen on that. There's a line in a song I really like. It says, um, to piggyback on this idea of intentions, it says, I trust your heart and your intentions. I'm not going to sing it, but it'll kill the main idea here. I trust your heart and your intentions. Trust you completely. I'm listening intently. You'll guide me through these many shadows. And I remember, like, when I heard that for the first time, I was like, wow, those are powerful words. And then I remember 
you know, when you listen to a song, you really like it, you enjoy it, you don't quite know the words, but you're kind of like humming it, you know, singing it. And then over a period of time, listen to it a lot more, I remember it feeling really good in my spirit to actually sing that song and mean it. I remember feeling really good to say to the Lord, I actually trust your heart and your intentions toward my life. I, 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 just, I trust you completely in that. Your intentions towards me and whatever comes into my life is whatever comes into it. But your heart and your intentions towards me is never in question anymore. Oh, my spirit was just alive on that. Because it wasn't always that way. Didn't always feel that way. I know I was supposed to feel that way, but I didn't always feel that way. You know, and so like, how do you get to that place? And, and, and where does that come from? Well, I want to talk about some of that today. All right? So let's take a look. Hebrews 6.19. I wanted to bring in some props today. Couldn't quite get it done. Maybe next week. Hebrews 6.19, it says this. Let's read it all together. It's, uh, we're going to read 19 and 20. You might have different versions, but that's okay. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. Where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. So we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. We have this hope as an anchor. For the soul, firm, secure. Hope as an anchor for the soul. You know what an anchor is? I wanted to bring a prop. I couldn't get one. And I had some other props. You know, I had great ideas this week. I just couldn't get it done. It's just priorities, right? Just couldn't do it. So, an anchor. Hope is an anchor. Hope is an anchor. Then something that the Lord wants to build into us is that a mark on our lives is that, man, not only are they optimistic, but the hope that they have and what they believe in, that just anchors and stabilizes who they are as a person. The writer of Hebrews, which you don't exactly know, and a lot of people assume Paul, he's saying, listen, that hope, it's an anchor for my soul. And what I've come to find, like, is that a lot of people, they, they sort of like, tiptoe this line of, I don't want to get my hopes too high because then I'll be really disappointed if they get really high. Do you understand? I hope that you see that if hope is our anchor, you're kind of putting all of your eggs in that one basket. And that means that the hope then becomes truly our faith place and Fear of discouragement and letdown will not control us from what we know we should be doing, praying for, and asking for. We almost think it's kind of like a noble thing. Like, I, I, I don't know, that's like really big, and if I really commit myself to praying for that and asking for the Lord for that and believing for that, and if it doesn't happen, I will be devastated. 
And then usually, typically for a lot of people, that's enough to just stop right there. Because honestly, at the end of the day, more times than not, we are really concerned with how bad our emotional life might get rather than what God is really calling us to persevere. He's calling us to persevere and press on and let the Spirit take its work and do its work. And it's going to just do a number on our emotional lives. That's just the reality of what it is. Paul says, it's an anchor for my soul, keeping me firm and secure. Man, my hope in the Lord and who He is and what He's going to do, that's where it is. I found that too many people, it's kind of like, not an anchor, but more of like an accessory. You know what an accessory is, right? I'm personally not a big accessory guy. I'd kind of like to be an accessory guy, but I don't have a lot of nice things. And honestly, when I get them, I lose them. I had a cool watch not too long ago. It was pretty nice. And I just went all over the house. I'm like, I lost the one good thing I had. So I couldn't really be trusted with a lot. Plus, I got kids, you know, so it's just like, you know, down the toilet or in the sink. It's just... So Julie's good. She's a good accessory lady. She's got good stuff, you know, like accessories are meant to enhance, right? That's like the idea. Like maybe you have like a nice outfit or you have like a nice thing and then you have a nice enhancement. So you got a nice little bracelet, a nice little necklace, maybe some earrings, you know, an accessory of some kind. They're meant to enhance. And I think that a lot of people, what I've found, honestly, a lot of people, they approach the idea of hope. And they'd be like, well, yeah, that's like a nice thing that will like bolster my faith. Not only will I just believe in God, I'll also like have some hope too about some things. I'll hope. Like I hope it works out. I do. I really do. I hope it works out. It's kind of like an accessory. And to be honest with you, like the Lord wants to do a work a purposeful work in our hearts and in our lives where it's, it's so much greater than an accessory. It's an anchor of what holds us and makes us stable. Make us able to withstand the storms, to withstand the currents and the tides, and keeps us in the place where we need to stay. So, I want to read to you one thing from Genesis, and then I'm going to come back to this, Okay? So in Genesis chapter 3 is really where Christmas starts. Did you know that? I mean, you could say Genesis chapter 1. Okay, fine. I'm with, I won't fight you on that, okay? But go to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. At this point in time, uh, Adam and Eve made a mistake. The colossal mistake of all time. And if they didn't do it, you would have done it or I would have done it. So, you know, I'll start pointing fingers. That didn't work so well in the garden. So, I mean, it yeah, doesn't really work ever. Blame game is awful. Verse 14. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, because you are deceitful, because you tricked them, because you took my words, you manipulated, 
Cursed are you above all livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl in your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. Which makes me think, what kind of serpent do you have that's not crawling on his belly? That's all I've ever known. This has been kind of an interesting animal. I guess we'll find out on the other side. Verse 15. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. This is interesting. We're going to stop there. And I'll put enmity. Man, I'm going to put a riff. I'm going to make it difficult. There's going to be problems. There's going to be problems between you. He's talking to the serpent, right, to the enemy. And he's talking to the woman. I'm going to cause problems here. There's going to be friction. And he says, and between your offspring and hers. So the enemy has offspring. He has satanic angels, demonic beings that work with him and do what they do. Lie, steal, destroy. Um, distort the word of God. Blind us from truth. Masquerade as angel of lights. That's what they do. Very good at it. And he says, between your offspring and her offspring, says he will crush your head, you will strike his heel. What is he talking about? The interesting thing is to me, so remember I said that whole idea about the Lord and his greater narrative and his intentions for our hearts and our lives. You know, it wasn't a surprise to God with Adam and Eve. He wasn't surprised that they just they had a setback, a major setback. They had a setback. They were disobedient. He wasn't surprised. He wasn't pleased. He wasn't happy about it, but he wasn't surprised. Here's a really amazing thing that I, I really love about the Lord. Is that before the setback, the sin actually happened, he had already had in place a complete narrative and story to get them right back to their destiny where they needed to be. It was already set in motion. You know what a preemptive strike is, right? Preemptive strike, that's like, you know, we're afraid that somebody's going to do something or another country's going to attack. And so what you do is you send off like an attack and be like, kind of flex and show, you know, like give them a little something and be like, ah, oh, all right. All right, I'll back off. It's a preemptive strike. The Lord did it in a positive sense where he did a preemptive strike. He's like, you know what? I know how this is going to go down. I know how it's going to go down. I've already created and made a way so when it goes down that way, they can still find their way back to me to inherit their destiny and who I've called them to be. The way that God does that is he says to them, he says, hey, listen. He's going to crush your head. You will strike his heel. The woman, that's just the one that got, she got picked first. Oh, yeah, maybe it is a good idea. Why can't I eat this? <laughs> got the whole garden. The whole garden. Yeah, but why can't I have that one? <laughs> it's just the way we are, you know? It's just the way my kids are. I just give them stuff, you know? It's like, I'll give somebody, you know, I'll give Jaron Judson full range. But like, pick any candy you want right here. I got a wintergreen lifesaver over here, and I give it to Judson. 
whoa, whoa, whoa. How did he get that? You know, they just have a whole thing. And he could see in their nature just how it is, just how we are. So the woman gets deceived, drags him in. Wasn't much of a man happening there, right? Not much manhood or leadership happening there. Oh, yeah, that's a pretty good idea. Let's try it out. He didn't step up. So then God says, hey, listen, you know, to uh, the serpent, you're going to strike his heel. He's going to crush your head. So he says, the woman that deceived in the very end, or that you got in the beginning, in the very end, she's actually going to give birth to the one that's going to absolutely crush and destroy all of your workings, all of your doings. You may have deceived her now. I'm going to empower her and set upon her later the very person who will crush your work. And the enemy, he tried to find him, tried to hunt him down. King Herod, hey, kill all those babies under two in that town. Right? Christmas isn't always a great time of year, right? Like I said, hundreds of babies, they estimate, it wasn't a huge town, they estimate hundreds of babies, or two and yonder, toddlers, dead, Christmas time. It's horrific. So it's not all, you know, joy to the world all the time. So, God had already set up a plan in place before their sin and their setback to call them back into who he wanted them to be. I love that about And do you think, just kind of knowing who God is a little bit, do you think he just saved that part of his heart just for that one instance and one circumstance? No. No way. So the good news for us there, it's like, listen, we have sins. We have setback. We make serious mistakes. But you cannot convince me for a moment that there isn't a father who has already had, he already has, it's already done, a way back to relationship with him, destiny with him, life and life abundant with and through him. It's available. It's there. So it's just on us to respond to that. That's really all that it is. So he's already laid out all of the strategizing, all of the situations, all of the pieces, everything. He's already got it all figured out. And he's saying, hey, listen, trust your heart with me. Be close to my heart. Live in repentance before me. Strive for purity. And I promise to bring you to the place where you needed to go, where that other stuff might have hijacked you and you never would have been. It's what he does. That fills me with a hope. I hope it fills you with a hope. I'm not saying you're never going to pay for things that you do, like there's no consequences. I never said that. Don't twist it. There's consequences. We've got to pay for things. Like you just do some things, like we, we... There's consequences. But they're never beyond redemption. Ever. Never beyond redemption. 
and soon we might go a certain way and do certain things and God might have us in his own wise way sort of pay for some things and make some things right but it's all part of the process to get us where he truly wants us to go in the first place that is so hope filled it's like ridiculous when are you disqualified I just want to know that like when are you disqualified the only time you're disqualified is when you say I hear you but I don't want to no I'm done no thank you I don't have time. I don't want to make room for you, Father. I don't want to respond. I don't want to give you all of me, so no. That's how we disqualify ourselves. You could pray 14 times a day, be on your best behavior, do amazing all of the time. That does nothing to better your position with God. You can have all the education you want. It doesn't matter. He wants our hearts at the end of the day. And he wants who we are to walk in relationship. He so badly wanted his sons and his daughters back to himself that he gave his son and his son willingly. I don't know how it went down, but in my head, I picture in heaven when he tells his son Jesus, hey, listen, you know what the deal is. It doesn't say it anywhere, but in my mind, I picture Jesus saying, you're right, Dad, time to make it happen. Let's go get it. I don't picture Jesus in heaven being like, oh, no, I am not looking forward to this. But because you said so, like, we'll do it. The more I read the Bible and the more I see who Jesus is, the more I see the heart behind history and who God is, the reaction of all. There is so much hope in the good Father that we serve and what He's capable of doing, it is ridiculous. And the enemy wins way too many battles and victories by Christian men and women being sucked into their circumstances and then emotionally completely invested there to where they can't even respond out of faith anymore. That's a sad day and a sad thing. And I am never saying that we should just live in denial of circumstances. If somebody goes to the doctor and the doctor says, listen, you got a hernia? (laughs) Don't say, no, I don't. Don't say that. It's not true. Just did the test. They did their thing. You have a hernia. Don't live in denial. But if you believe in a God, who can do something with that hernia, do something with that doctor, do something with the nurse, do something in your heart. Supernatural, so all glory can be brought to him. Now we're talking something. Now we're talking something. He wants to heal and take it away. Boom, that's light work for him. Not an issue. For us to be in a place where we can really handle supernatural things that God wants to do, another story. A lot of people have some pretty bad ter- character and when the Lord releases things upon them it's like, are people doing these things? How are they making these mistakes? So, I want to make sure that we talk about this thing. This idea 
I'm not saying this. When it comes to hope, an anchor, not an accessory. I am saying that hope is important, it's needed, it's vital, gotta have it. Here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying, okay, now everybody, muster up all of your hope muscles and get them going. That doesn't help you, and it doesn't help me. Hey, go, go get it. Get all that hope. Get it up there. If that was the deal, then I'm just telling everybody here, just be super optimistic and always think the best about every situation. I am not telling you that, nor is the Bible telling you that. The Bible makes it very clear that the hope we're supposed to carry and live from that anchors us, the Spirit develops it. The Spirit develops that hope. He forms it. He shapes it. It's inside of us. We carry it. We live it. You can't fake it on this. Here's how you know. Go to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Pick up in verse 3. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom He has given us. Do you understand that hope is an inside job? It's actually outside and inside, right? So in heaven, outside. Heaven comes in and dwells within us in the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit develops and breathes into and forms and shapes that hope. So we, you could rack your brain thinking about all the optimistic, hopeful strategy you can, you can try and develop in your life. You'll even probably gain some like fruit from that, some success. You'll probably get some more peace. But it's not going to unfold the way the Lord wants it to. Glory is not going to come to Him the way it's really due to Him. And we're not going to bring forth the fruit that only the Spirit can bring forth. So this issue of hope and an anchor for my soul, well, I want to be there. I want to get there. How does that happen? to let the Spirit do His work. He's got a really good work He's doing in Jeritar. I know it. I'm convinced. I've seen it. I already know I'm sold. Done. Got it. I wasn't so sold for a long time. I was like, well, it's obvious in their life, Lord, but I don't know. Like, I don't know yet. I don't know. Can you be trusted? I don't know. And I remember during those seasons, I never really gave him a whole lot to really tell if he could really be trusted. I remember that. So it's very easy to be like on the sidelines and just kind of critique from the outside. It's very different than when you throw everything in the ring with him. And like Jesus said with wisdom, I think it was in John 7 or John 5, he's like, listen, you want to know if I'm doing the will of God? You want to know who God is? Do what he says and you'll very quickly find out who he is. And if he's really. 
So this issue of hope that anchors, anchors our soul, that not is just a way to cope. Everybody say cope. Yeah, there's like this weird thing that just goes around churches and Christian circles where it's like, I just, I need God to get me through this. I understand the sentiment and the heart behind that, but I promise you that there's more than just a coping way to get through something here. There's a much different thing that God wants to do. And the phraseology, like the language, it looks like this. I wrote this down. Coping mentality versus spirit-led hope mentality. Here's what we say. I really hope this thing works out. Right? That's something like that we say. Which we hope. I really hope this particular thing, whatever it is, I hope it works out. Hope this relationship works out. Hope this job works out. Hope this medical thing works out. I just hope it works out. Versus... I know God is going to break through and reveal himself in the situation. I need to have a better understanding of what he's calling me to believe. Do you hear the difference there? A lot of people are very familiar with, I just hope it works out. Or maybe they're really optimistic. Nah, it's definitely going to work out. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. It'll be good. Okay. And there's a little bit of encouragement there. But the Spirit is looking to bring us to a place where it says, I know God is going to bring breakthrough. He's going to reveal himself in this situation. God, this is not something that's going to be wasted. You have a plan and a purpose. I stand with you and on your promises. You're very confusing right now. But I know you have a will and a plan. And I trust you. See how different that is. That's hope as an anchor for the soul. And I think Christmas, man, just helped bring us there. And brings us back to that place. Because we get to see the Father's heart behind us. If anything, it should make us be the most hopeful people in the world. Regardless of what happens around us. That doesn't mean we won't get sad. That doesn't mean we won't get disappointed. That doesn't mean we won't get frustrated. There's still this issue of pruning that the Father does. But it doesn't mean... He's not one that doesn't do pruning without a purpose. It's not who he is. Man, that is just so hope-filled. It's ridiculous. It's such good news. So I'll close with this one verse. Romans, St. Romans, Romans 12. Romans 12, 12 says this. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. That is a great and super wise suggestion for us on how to go through life and how to just deal with situations. So wise, so wise. Because many of the things that we battle, especially the significant ones, you just have to wait out for a period of time. It just takes a long time. You know what I find interesting? I find it interesting that the Lord spoke these things to Eve. He's going to crush her. He's going to come after his heel, but he's going to crush your head. There's always going to be a rift. You may have deceived her, but she's going to win in the end. I'm going to make sure that happens. You want to deceive her? She will destroy you and all your workings. And I'm going to make sure that happens. It took uh, 
1500, 1600 years for that happen? 1500, 1600 years? Took a little bit of time. God said it. It was in the works. It just takes time. Because at the end of the day, it's never even just about answering our just one true prayer. He's got a greater narrative at work, other things that he's building, other people he's preparing, more fruit that he's building. So I hope that. I really hope. I do hope. I do hope that your faith level, your hope, just risen just a little bit just from this morning. That God already preemptively has a really good and faithful plan regardless of what, we might, of what we might see, think, or feel. Preemptively. He already put it out there. He just wants our partnership. And he wants our closeness and our relationship and our fellowship. Is that a good word? I hope so. Really encourage me. I'll tell you what. Encourage my heart. I can tell you that. All right. Let's pass out these elements here. says in, uh, as you're receiving the elements there. First uh, Peter 1.3 says this. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade.